Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Brennan McCullough. And, uh, how are you doing, Bren? Exhausted. I'm finally done Fire Emblem. Oh, no way. Finished it. I did two playthroughs, it's like 102 hours. I think that's it. I don't think I really need to do it again. (laughs) Nice. I've defeated the beast, and now I can hopefully get back to my gigantic looming steam library that's just staring at me well wasn't there just dlc for that that came out recently yeah so uh the dlc is luckily like a standalone thing by itself so like even at the main menu it's just like continue the main game or just play the dlc by itself and then once you beat the dlc the stuff carries over into the main game like characters unlock and gears unlock and skills. yeah so, luckily, I was able to just burn through that DLC real quick. Uh, it was only, like, eight hours or so. So, comparatively small. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, there's different paths. There's different characters you can inter- interact with, depending on what choices you make. But it's it's really just kind of one story. So, it, it, there's not a ton of replayability for the DLC. Still enjoyable. Still glad I bought it and unlocked that stuff. And then it's fun seeing how it all interacts with the main game. Because there's four new characters... And uh, a lot of them have, like, very integrated backstories with characters already in the game, like other students. So, nice. uh, like, no spoiler, but one of it is, like, one girl in the main game's a shut-in. And the reason she was shut-in, because, like, her father was, like, super overbearing and all this stuff. And if you get to know her, you find out, like, oh, there was someone who tried to assassinate her. And that's why her father was so protective. And in the DLC, you find you meet one of the characters who's like, oh, yeah, I was her best friend growing up, and I was the assassin who tried to kill her. What? And it's just like, he's like, I was hired to kill her, I pretended to be her friend, and then I became her actual friend, and I didn't kill her. But then her dad almost killed me. So it's kind of <laughs> like, oh. Damn. And it's like, that's just like DLC character that was like thrown in last minute, but you're like, oh, that that ties into her story, too. So it's like, oh, wow. like, And it really adds on, and like all the characters do that. So it's... Finish the game. I'm done with it. I can safely say it's a great game. It's a really good game. The second playthrough wasn't as good as my first. I still think I kind of peaked with the first playthrough. Okay. Um, but the second one is still good. I definitely don't think I'll be playing a third one because uh, apparently the only path I didn't do the blue lines is apparently the easiest, pretty like straightforward one. So I think I'm good. But yeah, hundred some hours. Damn, that's awesome. That's one I want to get around to, but that seems like a pretty big investment. It's it's good because I talked about it before where like it's kind of broken up into chapters and each chapter is like a month. So you only really you do teaching stuff on Sundays, you do like actual activities on Saturdays, and then everything else is just kind of skipped over in the okay. middle of the week. So it at least it's broken up into nice, like pausable points in time where you can just be like, Alright, I'm putting this down, I'm walking away, I'm doing shit, and you come back in a week or two and pick it right back up and that's the benefit of the switch is you know you can turn the screen off and it'll pause a game wherever you're at in it so that's something that's nice with the switch and being portable nice we totally skipped how we're doing and everything and what? jumped oh, right into video right. games this is a video game <laughs> podcast for anyone new we never have new people but just in case <laughs> just uh, to be safe i don't know i also have some dlc i would like to talk about but i also i'm just like trying to put it off <laughs> as long as possible because it was uh very disappointing. Um, mm. But that's what I mean. We can continue to go around uh, the table of who's been playing what. So you've been playing Fire Emblem, or you beat that entirely. Is there any other games yeah. you've been playing, or uh, mm. not really? No, that consumed like all of my 
any free time That's I have, I mean. a game like that would, and I, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and it's like the battle, like the it, it all progresses so steadily. Where the battle system and stuff, and the actual gameplay is just the same shit. Like you play an hour of it, you pretty much hit everything that's going to happen in the game, besides just the story. So, and then just the mechanics wise, it just progresses. You build relationships with people. Uh, you unlock different little activities you can do on your free day. And then battle-wise, it's just like the armors get better, the weapon gets better, the spells get better, and you just have to plan it out more. But, like, surprise-wise, you pretty much see everything within the first hour or so. So it's impressive that it kind of lays its all of its cards out on the table so early, and yet it still keeps you engaged for so long. Definitely. But, but it's definitely for people, like, I have a friend who hates uh, real-time or real-time strategy or, like, tactics games. So if you hate tactics, it, don't get this game. Like, that's all That's all the combat is. Yeah. Um, if you feel really strongly about that. And then it's really about, like, getting invested in the characters. So I remember saying, like, oh, I'm, you know, five hours into it, I don't really care about the characters or anything. Like, I'm not super attached. And then after, like, maybe ten hours or so with my first playthrough, like, the Golden Deer House, super attached to all those characters now. Like, super emotionally vulnerable with those characters. And then the second playthrough, I didn't really care as much because, I don't know, a lot of those kids are shittier in my opinion. <laughs> um, but if, if you're not the type of person who gets into those, like Mass Effect or Dragon Age, where you get like sucked into your party and the dynamics within the party, like if you like that, this game's for you. If you don't like those types of stuff and you're just like, eh, it's just a fucking, you know, that's just Archer number one and Archer number two. I don't care what their names are. Then you probably won't get sucked into it. So Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, definitely one I would like to get at some point, but all right, I guess I'm going to talk about it and I just, <laughs> oh man. Here all right. We well, he, yeah, I beat, uh, the horizon DLC and I'm just not worried about the trophies like I was originally. I'll get to it eventually. There's some really challenging ones, but after that, I, uh, decided let's go into the kingdom hearts DLC. I've been talking <laughs> about it for weeks <laughs> and oh man, all these, uh, articles we discussed on the podcast previously we're all warning that it's like oh it's just the same they're same bullshit all over again <laughs> and it really was oh man like bren it, Who would, have it felt like a joke it was very much like <laughs> this like punchline just like comedic moment where i was just like are you kidding me so the whole premise of this dlc is just like oh I, and it's hard to do this without spoilers but like let's say uh <laughs> It, it spoilers implies you could follow the story up to this point if you haven't already played it. That's what I mean. So I think uh, at the end of Kingdom Hearts three, like Kyrie's missing or something, and everyone's like, "Oh, where'd Kyrie go?" And Sora has to go on a journey to go save her or something. Uh, this takes place like after the events of like Kingdom Hearts three, and uh, for some reason, Sora has the ability to like travel back in time and like be in his own body again, like from like another perspective. And, like, witness things that had already transpired, and then he has to, like, basically somehow use that to influence what happens and then, like, have a different outcome. But, like, certain ones are prevented, but also (laughs) all it really is in all reality is just an excuse for you to literally just play all the final bosses all over again, except the real, like difference this time around is oh i can play as riku maybe or i can play as Kyrie maybe in this instance instance or whatever it really was just like oh it's literally the same ending to the kingdom hearts 3 but uh now 
perhaps if you would like to, you could play as somebody else, maybe in this fight. And it was just like, are you kidding me? And then at the end, like there was like cutscenes, like trying to tie it all together. Being and dude, it really, <laughs> I'm telling you, like as a Kingdom Hearts fan, I feel like Kingdom Hearts three is a better game without the DLC uh, remind. It so it's like, oh, don't remind me that that exists. It's really <laughs> fucking bad. Is there like any mechanical gameplay wise differences between Riku, Kairi, and Sora, or is it just maybe like, Riku slightly, hits a little but armor? like nothing, nothing that? Noticeable. No, it's really just Mash X. Like, what the fuck? Let's <laughs> all just like be honest here. Yeah, yeah, you just like fucking Smash X and uh, try to heal yourself and shit if shit gets hairy. Uh, yeah. But no, they do have different weapons and I guess like little mini animations and uh, I don't know, just attacks. But all in all, it just felt like. It was the classic Kingdom Hearts move of, let's just have them do it again. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> you guys. Again. And I feel like they, they as developers, know that they are, are like known for doing this, so they were just like, we'll get away with it. And they did! And it's just, it's to this <laughs> point, where they've done it this many times, I am sick of it. And I was very just like upset with and uh, disappointed with how annoying it is. And then, okay, so once you beat the DLC like I did, it's like, oh, now you've unlocked this thing called the Limit Cut Episode. And I'm like, okay, what the hell is this now? Uh, I go into it, and it's basically just like a portal area where you can then take on the different Organization 13 members one-on-one in a battle, but this time they're harder than ever before. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, I have no interest in like <laughs> doing any to? of that. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, if you do... Uh, put yourself through all of that masochist bullshit. Uh, you unlock some kind of like uh final ending or something, and it's a cutscene. It's like you know what? I'll just Google that Ooh. shit. Like I have <laughs> no interest in like uh putting myself through it because I I consider myself a hardcore fan, but I think uh it's just bullshit at this point. Especially knowing what they put me through with this DLC, I was like, fuck this. You're saying you don't want to go through good. 10 to 20 hours of very intense boss rush battles just to see a three minute cutscene at the very end. Yeah, that's what I mean. It just felt <laughs> like they didn't even know what to do with DLC and it just did. They did. It didn't need DLC. This it's better without DLC. That's my take on kingdom hearts three. Let me know if you disagree with us, uh, tweet at us. Well, oh man. There's a reason the Hercules like, Coliseum where you just fight monsters and bosses was in every single game because it was just easy content of like well we already have these models just put them in the small area and just do it again yep pretty much so that was Kingdom Hearts 3 and I was just like okay fuck that I'm very upset with that but I'm done with it and I'm not coming back uh I moved <laughs> sure, on you tell yourself that well yeah true good point uh I moved on to, there was like a sale in the PlayStation store and I'm like, all right, let's see what's going on here. Uh, I think like, for instance, you could get like the game, the division two for $3 or something ridiculous. So they had some wild sales. I didn't get that game surprisingly, but that's what I mean. I'm not a huge first person shooter guy. And, uh, it also means like if they're selling it for $3, man, it must've been pretty bad. Well, Uh, (laughs) the division two was the game where at launch, they had the online virtual queue of people waiting in line to yeah. play the game because they like fucked up and people actually had to wait in line in a game to do it. Like Division's got a lot of problems with it. I think they patched up a lot of stuff and kind of did the Destiny where the DLC actually fixed a lot of it. But like, there's a lot of problems with the uh, Division. 
Yeah, and I wonder if that was like a final way to get the last few people who are going to play it, play it, yeah, playing it. Yeah, last dish effort. Exactly, because do they have another, like a Division 3 maybe on the horizon? Who knows? Probably. Um, but, okay, so then in the sale I saw, let's see, what did I start with? Need for Speed Payback was only like $6, and I had a Need for Speed game for PlayStation 4 that I'm like, oh, which one is it? And it's literally just called Need for Speed. I'm like, fuck, yep. I hate when it's <laughs> like that, because now I'm confused at all of the different Need for Speeds. Uh, there was one from 2012 called Most Wanted, and I had it for PlayStation 3, if I'm not mistaken. And, oh, God, Brent, that is, if I'm not like lying it's the best fucking need for speed game i've ever played i don't know why but the mechanics were incredible you could just like drive around the different towns and like uh find different cars and just like go into them automatically and the racing was great i don't know i had a blast in that game but uh then there was this need for speed one the self-titled one for playstation 4 and oh god it was so bad like they tried (laughs) to have like actual like i don't know how to describe it but like video like graphics of like people or the graphics were i don't know there was like cutscenes with like real footage it seemed like of them mm-hmm. like real people spliced into like a video game environment it was so bad bren anyway uh <laughs> that game just downright sucked and i didn't really enjoy it and then i saw the trailer for this payback one and i'm like six dollars whatever let's see if it's any good and it's fucking good but it, it also it just makes me think like I really wish there was a most wanted two or something. And I like was like Googling it and there was like some fan made trailer online for like YouTube. And it was just like made with Grand Theft Auto five and like a bunch of mods <laughs> and shit. I was like, God damn it. Cause it was super convincing. I was like, Oh yeah. man, I'm super into uh most wanted two, but that's not a thing. And uh payback's pretty cool, but it's, uh, it's definitely giving me the itch of just like drive really fucking fast and like, try not to crash. Uh, mm-hmm. And, like, there's super close calls when you're going, uh, like, against the opposite traffic, and it's like, oh, my God, that was insane. Uh, and, like, taking the cars off ramps and shit, if you get an opportunity. I really enjoy uh, those kind of racing games, but it's also, uh, I don't know, I'm not the best at them either, because, like, going at over, like, 100 miles an hour, it's, like, insane trying to control these things. Oh, yeah. And, like, I'm not a huge racing fan, uh, racing game fan. Uh, Mario Kart Double Dash is probably the best racing game, in my opinion. Um, but Need for Speed, I think most wanted on the PS2. I might have had. I remember that being really fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like with racing games, there's a lot of like t- too many cooks or like trying to reinvent the wheel. Where it's just like, oh, we gotta change it up. It's like, well, the, or like same with any of the sports games, like FIFA, Madden, all those. Where it's like, well, the core gameplay is going to be the same. Like, it's it's going to be this core thing of either the sport that we all know or the racing we all know. So it's like, all right, well, what can we add around that to make it interesting, like, to justify a new game for it? And that's when they just start bogging it down with all this weird shit that, like, no one really wants or asks for. But it's like, they got to find a reason to justify another game that's effectively the same thing. Pretty much. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I just, like... It feels like a Madden where it's just like, oh, just give me the next Need for Speed, but like better graphics a little bit and uh, yeah. newer cars and shit. Update the cars. Exactly. That's but give me that old traditional gameplay of the PlayStation Three one that I'm talking about because that was like the most fun edition of it. 
I don't know. Uh, so I'm getting back into Need for Speed Payback. That's pretty cool. And then uh, just because, like I said, I saw that trailer and it was made with the mod of GTA V, I'm like, I have Grand Theft Auto V, but it's on PlayStation 3, and I don't feel like firing that up. So I'm going to get it for PlayStation 4. <laughs> and the thing is, it was on sale anyway. It and it came with like the online edition or something, and it was only $15, I think. So I'm like, all right. And it normally goes for 30 So I was like, all right. That's not terrible. So I'm playing Grand Theft Auto V again, but I'm also not a traditional Grand Theft Auto guy. I don't play the Holy the missions shit. that it wants me to. I just uh I don't know, right. drive the cars all around. I do the cheat codes to get to, like the helicopters or like the cheats code to fall from the sky and just like be invincible. So I don't know. I just run around and wreak havoc and do crazy oh, yeah. shit. My friends and I back and like four because back in the day Grand Theft Auto wasn't multiplayer. Uh, we would just play it and just hand off the controller whenever we died. So you'd just run around causing chaos. And then <laughs> eventually we would just end up ragdolling it where we would just steal a helicopter, fly towards the city, and then just get out and have the body just ricochet between buildings and see what happens. Hell yeah. A few times you survive. Sometimes you'll hit a sign that'll break your fall and then you fall again and you still live. And it doesn't make sense. Uh, just throwing us out here though. When do you think Grand Theft Auto V came out? Because it's not when I thought it came out. Oh lord, don't. Oh, don't do this to me, Brad. That's the thing. It feels like within a few years, but I know it's like more like five or something. So I'm going to say 2014. Close. 2013. Oh my God. That game's seven years old now. Jesus. That, I still feel like that's new. That, me too. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I feel like that game has transformed over time and stayed in the spotlight. It's just because didn't they like, eventually add like a first person mode and then over time they added like the online mode i don't think it all came at once no they definitely added stuff to it as it went so yeah there was like the initial game released and then yeah i do remember a weird first person mode thing but i think that was just maybe an update i don't think that was a new game okay um then the online was separately that came out later then it got ported to pc so it basically just doing all the skyrim shit where like the core game came out and then they just trickled out slight tweaks to it and then ports of it over the next few years. And honestly, someone made out a good point. For the initial Grand Theft Auto series, so you got like, you know, 1, 2, 3, Vice City, San Andreas, 4, 5. Yeah. They came out roughly, so what was that, 2 years, 2 years, 1 year, 2 years, 4 years, uh, 5 years, and now it's going on to 7 years without a Grand Theft Auto game. And that's pretty much the point when uh, Rockstar discovered microtransactions and online support, and they can just keep keep people buying the same game over again, or have people playing the game, just putting more money into it instead of inventing a new game. But it also ties in with the new, the next generation of consoles, like being this year. It's like maybe that'll be something that's been kept under wraps, like for those six years or seven years they've been developing Grand Theft Auto Six, and it's going to be f- exclusive for Xbox or something. Who the fuck knows? You know I would I mean? be super surprised if they haven't even teased it, and they're going to be dropping it with a new console. I'm sure that there will be a, a new Grand Theft Auto for the new console generation sure like they would have been promoting it by this that's a good point yeah i think that'd be just old school of them to be like by the way holy shit (laughs) this massive title and it's out today like that's nintendo's way of doing things yeah (laughs) good point but yeah i i mean i grand theft auto 5 is great it's still really good and the unfortunate part is uh with the modding well 
weird uh, tangent. The unfortunate part is with the modding, it's developed its own life, and that's what's keeping it going. Is you can just do all these insane mods. I saw a clip of it uh, right before we started recording of uh, a cutscene where they're like yelling at each other. And instead of Trevor, it's 2B from Near Automata comes up just screaming, cursing at him and stuff. <laughs> so, like, you, the modding has reinvigorated and given it new life. The unfortunate part is Take Two, the parent company of Rockstar, uh, destroyed and, like, took down the, like, modding tool that did, like, about 85% of all the mods for Grand Theft Auto Online and stuff. Because they were like, oh, they're cheating. It's like, no, they were keeping your game alive and active. But if you see this as a, it's people not understanding what modding is and they thought the modding tool was copying the game so that they can tweak it. So they thought they were just pirating and then copying the game over like a thousand times and giving it out to other people for free. Yeah. So it's just high level executives not really understanding what modding is and then put the f- foot down on it because they didn't understand the technology and effectively killed that like a huge, like the modding's still huge and active in Grand Theft Auto V, but like it could be so much more. And, like, we don't know how much of it was limited by them shutting down that tool, which is just so disappointing. Totally. Um, but, yeah, that pretty much sums it up for what I've been playing, though. Uh, wrapped up those DLCs for the various games and uh, moved on to Need for Speed and GTA V. So just going to fuck around in those until I uh, figure out what, what else is on the horizon. That's one thing I would like to get around to playing is Dragon Ball Z Kakarot and, like... I don't know, Brent. I'm just on a DBZ fix lately. It's just like a thing. <laughs> relapsed. Uh, we might have a, a future couple of guests that ha- host a DBZ podcast on our show, so that'll be fun if that pans out. Uh, but uh, that's the thing. This Kakarot game looks incredible. Like, oh my gosh, the graphics are like all cell shaded and good looking. Oh man, the animation, I, everything. I only ask for one thing. Give me more PyCon. PyCon oh. is my favorite DBZ character who was a throwaway in one arc where Goku was already dead and fighting in a heaven tournament fighting tournament. I know who he is. And then we never see him again. No, he was fucking awesome. Oh man. Okay. Damn it, Bren. I was going to say before we wrap this episode up, we should play 10 questions DBC. And like, I feel like we've done that in the past and I was going to do Bygone. And then it's like, (laughs) Oh fuck. He's my favorite. He's like the closest we get to like a super Saiyan Piccolo. Cause Piccolo never gets any stronger. That's true. And what's up with that? I don't know. He should have just like been, like give him like a, an excuse. Isn't he like half part of Kami in any well, way? It's, it's like and Kami is like God or some shit. I don't know. Well, Kami is God in the like, Japanese language. Um, no, it's Pickle initially fuses with Nail on Namek. Sorry oh, for anyone right. not interested in DBZ. We're going to be geeking out here for a second, so you yeah. can just check out for like fifteen minutes. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Piccolo goes to Namek with all of them to fight Frieza, and he fuses with Nail, so he gets stronger then. And then when he comes back, he fuses with Kami during the Android Saga. And Kami is super wise and stuff, and he's, like, on the lookout, watching over Earth and stuff, but he's not a fighter. So, like, he gets stronger, but not a ton. And uh, basically the only problem is it's just the power leveling between Goku and Vegeta just outpaces everyone else after the Cell Saga. Just no one can even keep up. So there's n- so all the enemies are at Goku Vegeta level. There's no way in hell anyone else could even come close to it. So no one fights anymore except for those two. Yeah. Because like TN was keeping Cell down when it was second uh, second stage Cell, like second form. Yeah. And he, he was barely keeping him down. And no one else could like beat him after that. So like 
I don't think any of the Z fighters have gotten stronger after Cell Saga or much stronger than Cell Saga uh, since, uh, besides Goku and Vegeta. So they peaked. They peaked. Or you know, <laughs> the writing of the show is just garbage. <laughs> hey. I, I still love Dragon Ball Z. I got like two glorious art prints up on my wall of Dragon Ball Z. I love it. It's not good. Though. It's all fine and fair. We're moving on. Um, <laughs> I I love Dragon Ball Z. God damn it. Um, but anyway. Uh, that'll do it for the gaming discussion. I uh, hope to play that Kakarot game, though. Uh, check it out if you haven't. The trailers all look great. Um, yeah. Let's see. Is there anything going on in the news that we want to talk about before we... Uh, I don't know. We could probably do plugs and wrap it up. Maybe we could do 10 questions DBZ. That's really your fault. <laughs> I mean, if you think you can beat me with DBZ knowledge, we'll see how that goes. Okay. We are going to have to try. <laughs> we'll try. Uh, yeah, now that I'm done Fire Emblem, I'm hoping to get this Banner Saga, because I keep saying I will, and it's supposed to be really short, comparatively, like, th- under 30 hours. Uh, but I got Banner Saga 2 and 3 to play, so... Uh, hopefully, I'm better at tactics now, and I'm not relying on the rewind power that they give you in Fire Emblem, which is super convenient, but it is, like, super game-breaking, where it's just like, how can you lose? Because you can... It's not. There's no limit to how much you can rewind. Or rather, let me explain you have so many uses, so you have a limited number of uses that you get throughout the game. I rarely use them, even on hard mode. So, like, I always had, like, 12 or 13 by the end battles that were actually hard. So you have a limited number of how many times you can use it. But once the battle starts, you have no limit to how far back you can rewind in the battle. So if you do a turn, and you lose, like, three characters that turn, you're like, oh, if I rewind back to the beginning of that turn, they'll just die again. It's like, oh, I can rewind, like, three turns back and set them up so they don't get in those positions. Or you can just rewind to the very beginning of the battle entirely and redo everything. So, like, I'm hoping I didn't get too used to that, because that was a very uh, <laughs> godly mechanic that helped way too much in tactics games, but uh, I know Banner Saga is not that forgiving. So, gotcha. And I got that Digimon game I bought on Steam way back that's just been sitting on my computer. And, <sighs> I'm going to lose myself in that one. That's just gonna be. I'm gonna fall down that rabbit hole real hard. So I've been holding off on it. Yeah, look out for that. <laughs> yeah, that'll um, be my DBZ. Nice. Uh, let's see, show topics wise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I saw was, uh, or actually heard about. I didn't actually see any articles myself. Is that apparently Castlevania season three is in March of this year? So that should be coming out pretty yes. soon on Netflix. I've heard uh, nothing but good things from people I know who've either worked on it or have gotten early screening of it or has seen some variation of it. So uh, I'm looking forward to it because Castlevania is great. I didn't expect them to turn that game into a legitimate story. That's compelling. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see where the story's going because the kind of the big bad, it was kind of wrapped up in season two. So we'll see where that goes and if they can keep it going. And the studio that does a powerhouse animations are fucking amazing. They're the ones that did a, Seis Manos, who I've done nothing but brag or uh, endorse Seis Manos as well. So if you want to kind of scratch that uh, Castlevania style of itch that you've been missing out on before the next season comes out, watch Seis Manos. It's so good. It's a black exploitation ninja movie in, set in Mexico. Oh, nice. It's so good. Uh, or it's a show, rather, not a movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, Castlevania. Uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. I remember being on uh, 
our one of our only listeners, uh, Pat Johnson's uh, <laughs> other podcast, The Melting Pat, uh, on his show multiple times talking about Castlevania. So hopefully I'll be on that for yeah. that in the future. Uh, oh man, this is something in the news that just I makes me cringe really hard. But it, we're back to Uh-oh. Kingdom Hearts already. Oh, um, God, we just. Stopped. I know that's the thing. Uh, there's this thing called Kingdom Hearts Dark Road will be a brand new game available within the Union X app. So it's like, wait, what? Uh, the Union X is like a game in itself uh, for mobile players, and it's yeah. like, and it can be launched from the Union X title screen. Uh, the game will feature card gameplay while you play as a young Xehanort traveling with Ericus across Disney World, such as Agrabah. And it's like, oh god, just it- why? If it was like Kojima, is, I'd yeah. understand if he was like, I got a plan for all of this. It all seems like bullshit, and I'll tie it all together in the end after 30 years of bullshit. It's like, okay, it might not be a good story. It's not Death, like Death Stranding was hyped up a lot. And it's like, eh, story-wise. Um, but like, I would at least be assured that Kojima has an idea of what he'll do, regardless <laughs> of the quality of it. Right. If the guys behind Kingdom Hearts just came out a minute like, yo, we don't know what the fuck we're doing, I'd have so much more respect for them as opposed to trying to pretend like, <laughs> yeah, it's all we got like they got the the Union Cross and the origin story and the what's the there's like an X logo that's on people and that's how Xehanort can spy on them. Yeah, like the it's reclusive like the, sim- sigil or something. In Kingdom Hearts three, that symbol comes up. It's like that symbol blade, and they call it the keyblade. So the I'm key just blade. assuming it's that like symbol, symbol is key. Yeah, I yeah, it's no a idea. Greek letter key, and it's like if you just admit you're making this up every game you're going, <laughs> fine. I can at least respect that. If you guys like are kicking your feet and trying to tread water, and like I can respect that. If you're pretending like you know what's happening, you're a liar. Yeah, just fuck right off. Uh, just it's thing- nonsense. It really is. That's this whole purpose of Dark Road is to uncover Xehanort's past. It's like, do we even need to? Like, fuck Xehanort. He's the enemy. <laughs> He's like the final Who bad guy. That, oh, man. Without, uh, I'm going to try to avoid spoilers. <laughs> fuck it. Um, we did do a spoiler cast, so just check that out, episode yeah. out if you really want to. Um, but that's the thing. It says here, additionally, the gameplay will feature high-speed battles that require quick reflexes to oh, flick during combat. Every game. It's like, oh man, I don't know. And it's it says it's a standalone game, but it's like really within the game. So a game within a game, this is oh, Gameception, Kingdom Hearts, back at it again. The bullshit. Yep. Sorry. That's a show topic. <laughs> For someone out there. Uh what else is going on? Oh, there's uh they revealed new Switch Light colors. So they got the Switch, and then they got the Switch Lite, which is the more compact one, just for traveling, and it doesn't dock up to the TV or anything. Yeah. Uh, and now they're releasing it in new colors, so you got, like, a, like I guess riding the waves, like, all the hype for the Animal Crossing Switch, of how many, how many people are drooling over that, myself included. Right. Um, the Switch Lite is, like, these, like, soft tone pastel, uh, pastel colors of, like, a teal, gray, pink, and yellow. And it's just, like, I said it's just a very expensive accessory. Because it's going to be one of those things where it's like small enough and you can carry it around enough, where you're, you're like, I already got a Switch. I'm not going to you know buy another PS4 just because there's like a gold version of it or something. But then with the Switch, it's small enough and portable enough where you're like, shit, that looks really good, and I do want to carry that around with me. And it's just like I'm having the same problem with the uh, Animal Crossing Joy Cons. I'm like, uh, I don't want to spend a hundred dollars on those, but like. They look really good, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, all of it looks incredible. Yeah, it's just like, oh, don't, 
Don't get, don't tempt me, Nintendo. Temptress. Those colors are the real marketing. It's just because Switch knows what they want. Like, or Nintendo knows what they want with the Switch of just like, especially with Animal Crossing, where it's like, it's a chill game. It's a chill console where you can just like kill a few minutes when you're at the DMV or you're at the doctor's office or like on the bus. It's like, or you can hook up to your TV and get into Breath of the Wild and get into that nitty gritty stuff. It's not PlayStation or Xbox where it's like, Gears of War, Uncharted, ah, games. Nintendo's just like, nah, man, we're gonna like, you can like make curry with Pokemon. It's dope as fuck. It's like, yeah, I'm on board <laughs> with this Nintendo. I could do some chill in this horrible hellscape we have of 2020. Yeah. Oh, Lord, don't mind me. I hope it, we don't end up in martial law. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see. You oh, never man. know. That's what uh, I mean. This podcast has been going so long. We can't have a combo breaker. <laughs> oh, my God. What if, like, in, like, years, this is going to be a historical document. Or just, like, you can see week to week how, like, how the history has affected the people living in the country. Just, like, One uh, could no. hope. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't use us as gauges for the rest of society. We're fucking deviants. We don't know anything. That's true. We're dumb hicks. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that's <laughs> what I mean. This is something that our type of people get excited for. Uh, Tony Pro- Hawk's Pro Skater uh, video game that defined a generation gets its own documentary. Uh, this is a uh, article I found from Mike.com, M-I-C.com. Uh, but that's what I mean. They're going to do a documentary on the Tony Hawk Pro Skater video game. And I'm like, hell yeah, that's... I don't know. Growing up, that was a huge game franchise for me, and the soundtrack, the gameplay, it was unlike anything before. It, it was during, like, the whole Cool Borders craze of just, like, I don't know, cool sports, borders. like, I don't know, like, action know sports like, games, board, you know what like, I mean? Exactly. skating, like, I get it, but just Cool Borders is, I think of, like, was it Snowboard Kids? Oh, no, but <laughs> Cool Borders was good! <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, because there's definitely... Fuck, I can't remember. There's a guy who does, like, video game documentaries and usually does them really well. Uh, no, I'm not even going to pretend like I know what the name is now. I think it's an Irish or Scottish guy. But then we've had a few, like, King of Kong and Indie Game, where it's followed Super, or, uh, so yeah, Super Meat Boy and Fez and stuff. So there are some really good games out there, or video game documentaries out there already. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't until I saw this where I was just kind of like, fuck yeah, I guess it really did define a generation of game. Like, they're not around anymore, so you don't really think of them as much as, like, oh, it's this whole new genre that, like, everyone's in. But, like, at that time, everyone was playing Tony Hawk. And, like, hell, I got a lot of, you know, some of my favorite bands and music uh, taste came from Tony Hawk games, where it's, like, a lot of punk and ska and yeah. like metal. I, st- I can't hear Ace of Spades without immediately flashing back to, you know, playing Tony Hawk 2. And, like... It really was just this behemoth of a video game series that just kind of dwindled away and, you know, didn't really survive the upgrades, but it really was it kind of unique to its own uh, back in the day. No, absolutely. And that's the thing. All right. So the documentary is already uh, done and going to debut at a festival on uh, February 29th. And the documentary is called Pretending I'm Superman. So I guess that's uh, winking at the, the song. Uh, by Goldfinger, Superman. Uh, it looks really cool. Apparently, Tony Hawk himself and Rodney Mullen are going to be in attendance for the debut of it at this festival. Uh, I want to see it eventually. Hopefully, it becomes available to the general public at some point. Uh, 
just something I'd bring up for any of our skateboarding fans of the show. I know Mark and I have talked about skateboarding before. He's the real skater. I'm a total poser. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, yeah. I know plenty of people who skateboarded back in the day. I think Mark's the only one I know who still does. And I like, I never even tried. I think the only skateboard I got was a Super Saiyan Trunks skateboard, and I never. I had that too, dude. <laughs> dude never touched the damn thing. Nerds. I don't know where it is. That is so funny. No, and I, I, uh, when I got it, I was like, I don't know, maybe fourteen or something, and I was like really into Dragon Ball Z, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna be into skateboarding, <laughs> and I stepped on it, slid, and fell like just once or twice, and I was like, fuck skateboarding, and it's just like. <laughs> I don't know. I, I nearly cracked my skull going downhill on a scooter. I'm just like, I can't do skateboarding. I'll die. Exactly. I'm a wiener. I Unless know this. You have good balance. You're pretty screwed. <laughs> yeah, I, skateboarding's tough when you have no depth perception like me. So. Oh I, yeah. Well, yeah. You yeah. already have a really tough time. So <laughs> yeah, that I never sounds... tried. But like, goddamn, those games are phenomenal. And skate, skate's done a good effort of like keeping it up because skate those some of those skate games are solid, but. Tony Hawk games just had its own specific style of just like the punk grunge, like grittiness and like really just had their own flavor to it that, you know, couldn't be recreated, especially in this day. Yeah, definitely. What else is there? Oh, here's a weird one. According to a LinkedIn profile. So, uh, solid verifiable source right there. Real good. Um, yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, it's just like just passing by someone saw something on someone else's LinkedIn profile. Uh, but apparently they're Blizzard's trying to make a Overwatch and Diablo TV shows. And if you know anything about the lore of Overwatch and Diablo, it's garbage and retconned constantly. And it's not going to be good because there's no continuity. Yeah, shit. Um, I'm sort of interested to see if the Diablo one turns out uh, as passable, but I could care less about Overwatch. I think Diablo's riding the coattails of, like, Witcher and Castlevania, which, hey, if you could do it right, if you can get some good animation, please don't make it live action, especially it's all set in, like, hell and, like, demons and shit. But, like, if you can make it look good, I'm on board with that. I'll check it out. It just don't be surprised if you can't really get a compelling story out of this narrative of just slaying a billion demons so that one could be at least interesting overwatch though as someone who's played a lot of overwatch and followed the story a lot while it's in development and you know when it got released and stuff they've just backpedaled so hard on so much of that story and have just conformed it to whatever anyone wants it to be that there's just no solid continuity to it anymore it started as originally as an mmo and then became a you know 6v6 hero battle arena and like it's so weird the choices they made with some stuff like diva one of the most recognizable characters started off as like a streamer and like a pro gamer and that's how she's so good at controlling mechs because she's so quick with the reflexes and stuff and now they've apparently backpedaled on that saying she is always a mech pilot and like a superhero and never a pro gamer but then so much of the in-game assets and lore and dialogue specifically are referencing video games that she played it's like why why did you go back on that one though like why did that one matter and it's just it's nonsense there's no lore to overwatch it's uh robots get sentience the apocalypse happens overwatch is good guys uh talents the bad guys 
that's it. There's no more thought than that. So <laughs> I, it's, and it's going to be one of those where it's a, it's going to be fine in game. It's going to look fine in game, and you have a suspension of disbelief in game of like, yeah, here's this robot centaur that's also a crosswalk guard, sure. But then if you see it in any hyper realistic detail of either being live action or just really detailed animation, it's going to look gross and weird. Like some of these people's bodies are just so bizarre it, it's not going to translate we've talked about it before with like simpsons like homer simpson shouldn't exist outside of a cartoon format and i feel like it's gonna be the same with this where it's like oh they look odd this oh yeah wow mccree really that facial hair just makes no fucking sense does it it's like no it doesn't but, but knowing there's so much porn generated over it i'm sure so people want some porn. kind of a- additional something to pull from Listen, you're pulling a lot already oh, with the porn God damn it. there. So <laughs> they don't need any more fuel to that fire. There's That's plenty, true. There's plenty of people that cosplay, and some of the cosplays look great, but I feel like it's just one of those things where it's like, this isn't going to make a lot of sense. Or like Sombra has this really like specific like side cut, like haircut with like uh, braids, I guess. and it, It's an interesting character choice. But it's going to look really weird if you try it on a person. And like I said, some of the cosplay has done it correct. I right. don't expect a show to be doing that level of it. Because cosplay is good for like a day or two or a convention weekends. But like if you're trying to move around and try and do some of the stunts in that costume, it's going to break apart real fast. I'm so. just imagining me like finally being like, you know what? After all this time, me pushing away from giving Overwatch a real chance, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to play it. I really like this game. I'm going to watch this show and be like, this better not awaken anything inside of me. <laughs> Yo, if you don't have a purple Widowmaker skin fetish, like, you'll have one. And like, you'll be lucky if that's the weirdest one you, fetish you get out of that game. Cause, like, oh, Lord. There's a lot of robots. I'll continue like. to avoid that game for my own sake. Uh, but that's the thing. Uh, I do have one last little show topic before we maybe do play a DBZ. Uh, Convo game, it's funny. I have a fact about that, too. But no, <laughs> the fucking last show topic here is Final Fantasy Remake will apparently be 100 gigs in uh, size. So, Ooh. woof. That's yeah, a that's lie. the thing. I mentioned earlier I got Grand Theft Auto V, and damn, that thing, if I'm not mistaken, was about 50 gigs. And it took quite a while. Like, the day I got it, I did not play. <laughs> it took, I played the next day. Yeah. Uh, it was a download and an install time of like collectively a couple hours. So I don't know. And I, I must've downloaded it late at night, but regardless, I think That's, imagine doubling that it's going to yeah. be intense. And, uh, and uh, like you mentioned, I think in our Slack, you're probably better off getting a disc, but I still think the install is going to take you quite a while. Oh, absolutely. And especially with Sony stuff. Like, I mean, I think this one's not, I think it's not exclusive to PlayStation anymore. I remember that story a while back. Um, but especially with PlayStation, like anytime you're like, oh, this game has an update, cool. And then the console itself has like three or four updates itself that'll also take like an oh hour. yeah. There's always there's always another update, so it's like you got to prepare ahead of launch before a big game comes out. And yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm sure a lot of that data is just the graphics alone because they're so intense. I don't have high hopes for this game. I think it's gonna be a real mess on like when at launch. So, I if you pre-ordered it, good luck. I, it's going to be a hassle, to say the least. For sure. 
tangentially related to video games, um, but Kickstarter employees are trying to unionize. So that's going to be an interesting uh, development because so many stuff, like just in media in general, um, is using Kickstarter to fund it and using it as proof of concept saying like, look, fans are demanding this. They're willing to pay for it. Can we get some additional backing like Shenmue did where it was just a PR stunt to show how much people wanted to play it. And because there's no way in hell Shenmue was made with like two million dollars or something, like it got made with a lot more. Yeah, um, but they used it to show how much people are willing to pay for it, like and get numbers down to get uh, investors and stuff. And a lot of video games use that too. So, like I said, Shenmue and um, a few others I could probably name. Indivisible, I think, despite my problems with that game. Uh, I think Ashanti. Uh, a lot of games are getting ported over. A uh, hundred and or what was it? The wonderful 101 or whatever that switch or it was like the wii u game that's being ported over to the switch and then pc and now xbox and playstation as well 101 uh, dalmatians yeah that's the game uh it showed it got all the funding from kickstarter and showed how much people wanted it from kickstarter so games you know unfortunately for better or for worse the games industry uses kickstarter a good deal especially for indie stuff that wants to get oh real yeah. support instead of relying on a you know publisher giant to do it because there are plenty of publishers i think gearbox gearbox is a developer good stuff do all the borderland stuff gearbox is a publisher garbage stuff like almost all of their games have been shit that they've published but the ones they've developed are good so publishers can really hinder a game and really like shoot in the foot it's like a it's like the marketing for a, a movie where it's like oh i saw the whole, i saw the twist at the end of the movie in the trailers uh-huh. why do i have to see it now and it's because the people that made the marketing was a third-party company that didn't actually, you know, really have any context for the movie. So, the same with publishers. They could make or break a game and people yeah. realize how much control they have. So, with Kickstarter employees trying to unionize and not getting fucked over by their employers who are... There's been a number of stories of, like, horrendous employee uh, relations uh, within Kickstarter itself. So, this isn't surprising that they're trying to get some degree of benefits or security. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens to both video games being Kickstarter and just Kickstarter in general, because I know I've got a bunch of like D and D stuff I got through Kickstarter. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. All right, sweet. Um, oh man, I'm excited for this Dragon Ball Z game because all right, listen to this. Apparently, I was looking at, like through our website, being like, I know we've done ten questions uh, with the category of oh dbz uh universe character uh this will help you out for when we do play apparently we've done uh the final answer was puar and dabura so i'm like oh shit uh god what how do you pronounce that i know dabura yeah there it is the devil guy yeah yep exactly so those won't be uh picked today but let's play 10 questions But I mean, like, right there shows you the insane power leveling of Dragon Ball Z in the writing. Where in the Boo Saga, or it's not even the last one, they just have fucking Satan. Like, the the ruler of hell. And he's just like, 
But not Mr. Satan. But not Mr. Satan. But then also not, uh, I think there actually is a ruler of how we see. We see Kami, or we see Yama, I think, is the ruler of, like, heaven. And he sends Goku down to hell and has the snake's path. And that's hell. Uh, Yama, are you talking about uh, King Yema? Yema. Yema, that's how it's pronounced, yeah. And then, um, yeah, because he gets, Goku gets knocked down to hell. And then in the dub, it's the eternal... What is it? What's hell translated into Dragon Ball Z? Because it's like the of infinite losers, something of infinite losers. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Shit. Uh, God damn it. Home for infinite home for infinite losers. And <laughs> because all the ogres and like Oni and Hell have hell on like you know, tank tops and shirts. Yeah. And in the dub, <laughs> they reanimated it so they just uh wh- like whited out part of the L on the other one. So it just says H E I L instead. Because it's a kid's show. You can't have the word hell in a kid's show. God. Yeah. Sorry. That's, that's all good. It all, it all comes, <laughs> this is what happens when you're like repressed nerd and you don't have an outlet for this stuff. That Anytime someone brings it up, it just explodes out of you. Pretty much. We need to start our own DBZ podcast is the real uh, no bottom line. Uh, no, I'm totally kidding. Uh, we'll just get a little bit out here and there. That's the thing. This is <laughs> 10 questions. So uh, for anyone who is unfamiliar, I don't need to explain this. Uh, this is uh, the game 20 questions, but it's cut in half. So we're going to ask 10 questions to Bren, and he's going to try to narrow down the Dragon Ball Z character that I have in my brain. Uh, Can I just say let's right get this started. It is Dragon Ball Z and not, like, Dragon Ball or GT or Super. Yeah, I think... and Well, that's the thing. Certain characters span different ones. I'm, well, yeah. That's the thing. This character is in Dragon Ball Z for sure. Okay. Because GT, I just kind of dragged my way through. Dragon Ball has been a long time, and I haven't watched any of Super. Yeah, don't uh, worry yourself with GT anything. Yeah, no one should. <laughs> uh, okay. Are they... Uh, no. I was going to ask, are they human? But then there's like three characters that are. Everyone else isn't. So that's kind of defeats the purpose. Um, are they a Saiyan? No. Okay. Uh, well, are they human? Yes. Shit. <laughs> I never trust my gut. I never trust my <laughs> gut, and it's always right. Um, are they a fighter? Like, how, or do they fight in any of the episodes? Or is it like... Bulma's dad. I don't know how to answer. I'm going to say yes. It, it like with uh, asterisk. Ooh, that's not good. Well, it's not Bulma. Bulma never fights. Bulma's a badass bitch who muck, fuck you up. But she doesn't actually fight. Um, so that was three questions, right? That was three questions, yeah. Right. Now I'm just thinking. Chi Chi fights when she's young. And in that weird metal bikini with the blade on her helmet. Oh, wow. I forgot about that stuff. Was that Dragon yeah. Ball era? That was Dragon Ball, yeah. yeah. When the Ox King had, like, the flaming mountain. And it's just because he, like, overcooked something and it set his house on fire. Oh, Goku. God. Now yeah. you're going to make me revisit all this again. Because that's when Master Roshi does the Kamehameha for the first time because he puts out the fires with it. Hell, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's all buried in there. It just, as soon as you... <laughs> Pull the cork, it all comes flooding out. You have out. such a better memory than I do. <laughs> uh, launch is human, but she doesn't really fight, n- not in the fighting sense. She does have a gun and just shoots everyone. But that's Dragon Ball, so she's not really in DBZ. She ends up with TN. I didn't know that till much later. Hey, good for you, TN. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
that's like I think it's one of those like throwaway episodes at the very end of an arc, and you just see it real quick, and then they never address it again. Um, it's not a guess, but I want to make my point clear. I don't th- Tien shouldn't be considered as human, and neither should Chaozu. I don't know what the fuck he is. Yeah, wait, he's what? not human though. <laughs> Chatsu is not human. That not even close. <laughs> he's a weird little guy. Yeah, he's so weird. He's got like one single hair under his hat. Um, okay. Human fights with an asterisk. All right, I was going to throw out a guess right away then. Uh, um, shit, what's her name? Videl. No, great guess. Okay, because she does fight and then she stops like Gohan. She like hits the great Saiyan man and then everyone kind of stops looking at them for a while. Alright, so it's not Fidel. Are they in the Boo Saga? No. Uh, and that's, oh. yeah, way too ahead for this character. Oh, okay. Shh. Oh. Shit. Are they in Dragon Ball? Are they in Dragon Ball? Yes. Alright, so we're getting Shit. closer. You got four left. It's gonna that's be like- interesting. Because Dragon Ball Z is, like, all aliens. Dragon Ball is, like, mostly human. So that's... Fuck. Alright. That makes it a lot harder for me. Were they in the Red Ribbon Army? No. Three more. You can do this. And I'm going to give you a huge hint after the next guess, I guess. Is it... Because this guy's... Ah. Alright. Do they... Do they come back with any advancements, like a new form, a new power level, a new body augmentation of any kind? No. Shit, alright, I thought it was Mercenary Tao, it's not him then. Alright, so you got two guesses left, and this is a huge clue that I don't need to give you, but I'm going to anyway. You've already mentioned this person. Is it the Ox King? Nope! Alright, you got one left. Shit, shit, shit. Uh, who did I mention then? <laughs> I feel like I've already mentioned them and I'm not guessing them. That means I'm going to argue about the technicality of it. <laughs> you're real. So I'm telling you that now. No, you're right. I I totally am prepared for that. Is it TN? No. No. Is it launch? Yes! And that's, the thing. <laughs> that's why the asterisk was, does she fight? <laughs> because depending on if she sneezes, she'll shoot up anybody. I... In the fighting sense, I was saying Dragon Ball Z fighting, like, one-on-one in a tournament of some kind or something. Not just, she has a gun and an anger issue. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said asterisk. It was was loaded. Uh, That's the thing. And you mentioned uh, launch, and I was trying to be, like, super quiet during that moment because I'm like, this is who I'm thinking of. And, of course, I couldn't outsmart you. But, yeah, for those people who are unaware, she's... I'm looking at, uh, what, dragonball.fandom.com, and it says, Launch is a woman with a strange disorder which causes her to switch between two different personalities each time she sneezes. Her first personality is a blue-haired woman who is sweet, pure-hearted, and cheerful, always ready to help. And her other personality is a blonde-haired woman who is angry and trigger-happy and commits crimes for money and is quick to respond with gunfire when angered. And yeah, I remember when I was sick with the flu earlier this year watching the first season of Dragon Ball Z, uh, she was like helping like rob a bank and then trying to get Tien 
on her side being like, we could rob lots of banks together. If like, <laughs> you just want to help me out with that. And it's like, I don't know. I love lunch. Uh, I, I especially love, and that's the thing I thought, is it launch or lunch? Because I think it's a little <laughs> bit of both. And I think honestly, when she transforms, if she's blue haired, she's lunch. If she's uh blonde, she's launch. I could be wrong. It's launch. And then yeah, the it's, because I think it's because all of the Dragon Ball Z characters, not all of them, but like a large majority of them are based, are named after food and food stuff. Because, uh, oh, fully, sure. The creator fully admits he's like, yeah, I looked in my fridge and came up with the names for all of the soldiers for Frieza based Frieza. on food in my fridge. And then all the Saiyans are named after vegetables. Um, and then, yeah, it's just utter bullshit. That's why I'm like, <laughs> it's fun. I love it. It's not good. It's not well written. It's just like dumb shit like that. It's classic. Um, so I think launch, which is its own word in and of itself, but I think it's based off lunch. But I also think that was probably just bad pronunciation on the English dub back in the day. Yeah. So, but it is supposed to be launch. So, yeah, she uh, she ends up being Master Roshi's maid on his island and uh, repeatedly beats the shit out of him for being an old pervert, which See, is fair. This was all an elaborate scheme to make you show how much of a nerd you are. But that's how we play. Ten questions. Thank you for playing, Brent. Oh, uh, you don't have to ask me to be a nerd. It's it'll just happen on whether people want it or not. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. Let's do some plugs and wrap this one up. Uh, you have another podcast. Let's tell our listeners about it. Yeah, I got another podcast using on the network. Well, not on the network, but using Pinecast called Are Weeb There Yet? It's an anime show where we watch three episodes of an anime and try to convince the main host, my friend, that anime isn't bad. We've been doing a real shit job of it lately because we've watched a lot of bad shows. <laughs> Uh, a lot of them will be stuff we recommend that we think is good. Some of them will be listener recommendations. And then some of it's just stuff we pull out of a hat. And, uh, oh boy, that's bitten us in the ass quite a bit. Yeah. I think the most recent episode is going to be Silver Spoon, which is one of my favorite animes. And it's basically just nerdy city boy goes to a farming high school and realizes farming is hard as shit. And it's oh. very good. Yeah, farming is hard. Yeah, it's from the creator of Fullmetal Alchemist, and she grew up on a dairy farm, so it's like a real slice of life, and she knows what she's talking about. For sure. Oh, it's cool. A good series. Nice. Uh, and listener, I mentioned it earlier uh, that I've been on Pat Johnson's other podcast, The Melting Pat, uh, previously, but I think a week or two ago I was on his show talking about Jeopardy, so if you have any interest in that, go check that one out. It was a lot of fun talking about the greatest of all time tournament. Uh, or wait, yeah, that was what we were talking about. I was like, <laughs> shit, uh, that was too long ago. Um, but then I also have a record label. It's missedoutrecords.com. Uh, all sorts of cool shit going on there. Uh, in fact, we got another compilation that just came out. You can go to our Bandcamp to stream it, but it's all actually thanks to the account on Instagram, Real O Emo. Uh, so head over there. Uh, they were like, they just post a shitload of memes. They have like a huge following, and now they're turning into a record label. And this is their first release. It's a compilation. They came to us being like. Oh, can you help us with the cassette tapes? It'll be a co-release. And I'm like, absolutely. And I listened to the compilation, all sorts of really good emo, indie, uh, all that stuff. 
check it out. It's fantastic. It's called Emotive Songs for Emotional People Act 1. And the cassettes, there's going to be 25 of them. They're available now online if you want to check them out. They're $6 a piece plus shipping. And uh, it's all for charity. It's uh, it's all uh, proceeds made from this album will go to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And it's all, like I said, the idea and the, the legwork was done by Real O Emo. And I'm just doing the cassette tapes and making it a reality. So working with them has been really cool. So that's something to go check out if you want to do something for a good cause and have a really cool cassette to add to your collection. Um, and then... That's the thing. If you like our podcast, uh, give us a like, follow, subscribe. We're findable at all the places on social media and Twitch at EBT Silence. Um, and yeah, we do this weekly. We've been doing it weekly since 2014. What the fuck? It's insane <gasps> that we're still going. Uh, yeah, we're going to end on that note. But uh, hopefully we'll be back next week uh, with some uh, of our other hosts to uh, tune, check in with everybody, see how everyone's doing. But we'll be back. See you guys. See you.